Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 45. I am Megan Carranza. I can't believe we're on episode 45. This is just flying. There is like a whole catalog now of episodes. So if it's your first episode, welcome, and you have 44 more episodes <laughs> to go back and listen to. Although I'm sure thinking back now, those those first few episodes probably sound pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, I still feel like such a newbie, even though I'm 45 episodes in now. But again, thank you for coming to listen. If this is your first episode, if you have been listening, thank you so much for coming back. I appreciate all the love and support you guys give the show. I, I again, have to say thank you so much to everyone who has written messages and reviews, especially those Apple podcast reviews. They really do help people to find the show, but I just, I love hearing from you guys. I was just talking to a mom yesterday who is a new listener of the podcast, and she was saying how the the show has been really helpful to her in what has otherwise been a very challenging time of, you know, dealing with like a new diagnosis. So that honestly, that really is why I'm doing this. So if you guys are enjoying the show, please reach out, say hi, write a review. I would be so appreciative. Um, today's episode I am super excited about. My guest is Shelby Dorsey and she is a BCBA. And it's funny because before her and I recorded together, I had been following her, but I just didn't know a ton about her story and let me just tell you, it is a doozy. It is quite a story of just her life and what kind of led her to this point to be interested in EBA and then become a BCBA. Uh, she is just like a a beacon of light and positivity. And that is what initially drew me to her. And then after speaking to her, it was just like 10 times more than I could even imagine. So I know you guys will love this episode. She really is like such an amazing person and such an inspiration, no matter what your circumstances. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Shelby. Hi, Shelby. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm extremely excited to be on your podcast today. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I'm extremely excited to have you. So you and I were chatting a little bit before we started and I was saying that I I was I found you on Instagram and I was initially drawn to your account because I feel like you just like radiate positivity. <laughs> That's that, exactly what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yes, and you're doing that. And I am just I'm I'm drawn to to positivity. I'm drawn to people who are who, you know, glass half full. And so I, I initially started following you and I just, I, I loved that, that message that you were spreading. Uh, and I was like, I got to get this girl on the pod. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And then we were kind of chatting before and I was, we were talking about, you know, what kind of got you into the field. So Shelby is, uh, she works with ABA and she's also an advocate. We were talking about that. And I'm very curious to hear what kind of drew you to this field, especially because you were saying like, 
it kind of started back when you were like in your, your younger years. So if you will kind of take us back and what kind of inspired you to, to work with uh, this one in this wonderful realm of autism, I'd love to hear it. Yes. So I, like many people do, you kind I've, I've gotten where I am, not from a straight path. I didn't wake up one day when I was a sophomore in high school and be like, you know what? I'm interested in autism. What can mm-hmm. I do? It, it's, it's been quite, you know, now it's like a 12 or 13 year journey. But when I was 16, I was, you know, Miss Small Town America. And not officially, but I lived in a very small town. I graduated <laughs> in a class of maybe 30, um, very conservative area. And um, cl- I'm class president. You know, I am ready to go to school to be a pharmacist, got a large scholarship, and I get pregnant. In high oh my okay and the world crashes my parents are just unbelievably upset and um they pull me out of everything every activity every social group every anything that I was involved in they pull me out and they say you are an adult now you have to figure out your life go and I'm like um I'm a junior in high school and I was like this is prom like, yeah. I, you know, to think back to junior prom high school, is my life. it is prom <laughs> that you are worried about. And I'm yeah. like, um, okay, well, my mom was the special education director at my very, very small school. And she was extremely upset about the situation and contacted the school and they ended up pulling me out of all of my classes. So I sat in the special education room. And did online coursework to finish what I had left of school to graduate before my daughter was going to be born in December. So it's like August 1st and I found out I'm pulled out of calculus. I'm pulled out of all my AP classes. This will affect my scholarship. Like just the end of the world keeps coming. And in this very small town mentality, it is pregnant girls. You can't be in high school. You can't be in high school with a baby. Mm. And I'm looking around like, at the time, it's 2007. You can do anything. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what? Um, and there were other girls that were pregnant. And I wasn't the first one. But I just had this this family that it was totally out of the blue. They were, they just got taken by surprise. Mm-hmm. So well, you said I ended- it was very conservative. Did you say, was this also in Texas? I know you're in Texas. Yes, now. I am okay. in the middle of West Texas. So just okay. for an example, it takes you 90 miles to get to a movie theater from where I live. Oh my word. Okay. Like, that is... is how far away we are removed from the world. And this is like pre, not pre internet, but before most people had access to the world through the internet. Oh yeah. Pre Instagram. Pre Instagram <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. Uh huh. And so it was really like culturally appropriate for my family to expect that okay, like these dreams are done. You better get a job and figure it out. They, I was cut off financially. I still lived with my family, but like for all intensive purposes, I was an adult. Well, for my last semester, I sat in the special education room and I finished my whole senior year online in like two and a half months. Oh my word. I still have, this is August. I finish in like October, I still have to go to school till December when my baby's born. Mm -hmm. And you had to be there every day. And so- I just started helping out around the classroom, tutoring, going to people's desk. What do you need? What are you doing? 
it's kind of a special education is kind of a lonely world. We were in an annex, not um, on the high school building. And I just started helping and I was really good at it. I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I enjoyed my time there. I enjoyed sharing the knowledge that I had because school has come pretty easily for me. Academics has come pretty easily for me. Social skills have come pretty easily for me. And so um, I was able to really share my skill set. And to be honest, it was the most accepting environment that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And no one really cared. And the parents <laughs> of the kids that I was helping, they had way bigger fish to fry. They didn't care that I was pregnant. <laughs> they cared that their child was getting help in. Who else to help them but a senior that is literally sitting in the corner and just count. I mean, like, I'm just watching my watch. Like, when's this baby going to get here? Mm-hmm. It's time for me to go. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that time. So I graduate in December. I have my daughter. I start working at the local grocery store because, you know, I can't I can't go to college yet. And right. <laughs> um, I decided at that time I'm going to college like this is a joke. I am. Nothing's different about me. I'm the set, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm still a top ranking student. I still have these skills. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And so I decide that I'm still going to go for my pharmacy degree. I go to college and I hate pharmacy. And so that was a big <laughs> bummer. <laughs> and I decide, okay, well, I hate pharmacy and I really liked working in my mom's classroom. I'm going to go be a teacher. And so my daughter and I moved away to college. We went to college in Oklahoma. We had a dorm room together. She was, oh, probably, I don't know, between a year, about a year old when we left for college together. And we lived in this one bedroom dorm with like no air conditioner. It was cinder block walls. There was no crit, like it's out of a movie. Yeah, you're my hero. <laughs> it's a for, crazy no. story. I don't know how I ended up in this life. Who? who <laughs> I just have to ask. Like, did you who who watched your your daughter? Like when you were in classes. So, when I before I left for Oklahoma, like I was still in my small town. So she just went to like the day, the daycare that I went to when I was young. Yeah, like that's how small the town it is. Like the lady that watched me watch her. Yeah. But then when I moved to college. I like piecemealed her daycare together. So we were able to get government funding and I had food stamps Mm -hmm. and I was able to get a little stipend for daycare and what the stipend didn't cover. I had, thankfully I had scholarships because I'm working my butt off academically uh, in, in high school to get these scholarships. Mm -hmm. And so friends watched her. I took her to class. Um, oh my gosh she was at every midnight pancake like we had this midnight pancake deal before finals I have pictures of me and her like she's on my hip at two we're at the midnight pancake yell she went to every collegiate basketball game every organization party um she attended undergrad with me in the full sense that is amazing. I love the show Gilmore Girls, and that's like all I can yes! right now. You are like, it's one of one of my all time favorites. I think it's like the most underrated show ever. Um, and you are just like, like the real life Lorelai Gilmore. Yes, and the funny thing is, is my daughter is the real life Rory. She's like a fifty oh, year old woman in an eleven year old's body. That is hilarious. Yes, um, I give you so much credit, girl, because I, I mean, I have. Granted, I have three kids now, but like, I mean, I have like a husband and a house and a support team and like it, it's still hard Yeah, (laughs) to be like a young 
I mean, like a, a young mom and then to, to like say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go go to college and just like bring your daughter with you. You are like the definition of like anything can happen. You could do anything. <laughs> And I think that's where the positivity comes from because it's like, nope, I can do this. Yes, it's hard, but I can still do it. Or when I meet parents who have, maybe they've talked to people who um, are kind of dismal or the half glass, half empty kind of people. I'm like, nope, come over here. We can do anything we put our mind to. It's a willpower game over here. Like, let's go. I love that. I love And that's so- kind of how I attacked it. Unfortunately, I became, I struggled through undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that I graduated with a 2.52 and you had to have a 2.5 to walk the stage. I oh, mean, to say that I struggled is an understatement. Um, my last two semesters in college, I had to get straight 4.0s to be eligible to graduate. Oh, my word. And my advisor is looking at me across the table and she's like, Shelby, I know you can do it. I know that you can do it. And I'm going to sign this paper that says that you're going to walk for graduation. And her name is Dr. Ruth Boyd. And I hope that she will listen to this because she's the most amazing person ever. (laughs) But she's like, you can do this. I'm believing in you. You need Mm -hmm. all A's for the next two solid semesters. And I'm looking at her and I'm looking at my three-year-old and Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, it's understandable that you struggled. You had just a little bit going on. Just a little. (laughs) And I, and I was really fun too. I'm not going to pretend that I was like in the books and, and and (laughs) mommy and me swim class. No, we lived it up in college. Tatum and I did. (laughs) Your midnight pancakes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I met my husband when I was there. He, you know, we, we had a great time in college. But it was a struggle. Yeah. So I ended up pulling the two semesters of my 4.0. And I impressed myself. And yeah. I think that's at that moment was the time, like the second time in my life that I decided, you know what? No, I can do this. I can yeah. do it. And so I went back to Dr. Ruth Boyd and I said, hey, I, I really want to go to grad school. And she was like, oh, good Lord, Shelby. <laughs> I'm like, I can do it. I know I can. I'm, I'm very smart and I'm really determined. And I finally figured this mom thing out. And like, I, I promise I can do it. What do I need to do? And she told me what I needed to get on my GRE. And I had decided at this time that I was going to be a counselor because I was working. As soon as I graduated undergrad, I became a teacher, a classroom teacher. And I wanted to be a counselor because I've just always had this spot in my heart for the underserved and my journey only magnified that more who Mm -hmm. is being underserved, who is struggling and who doesn't have the answers. Let me help you is kind of my attitude. And so I took the GRE and like by the um, margin so tiny that I don't even want to say it. I got the score (laughs) that I needed to get into grad school with a 2.52 GPA, get into grad school to be a counselor and I'm teaching special education and I love special education. It is just dream, but I'm a terrible teacher. (laughs) And I've, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and I kind of hear um, several professionals say the same thing. I had a hard time focusing on all 25 students. Mm -hmm. There was always that one kid or those three or, you know, kids that really had my attention that were the most significant uh, significantly in need. Mm -hmm. 
And I would just put all my energy in them. And it wasn't really fair to the rest of the class. My administration would be like, you cannot have three favorites. I'm like, well, they're (laughs) not my favorites. They just need me the most. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I go through that and I decide that I don't like counseling either. And it was a really hard thing for me because um, a school counselor does a lot of testing, especially in the states where um, I'm where I live, which I was living in Oklahoma, but it's the same in Texas. A school counselor does a lot of testing, a lot of state testing, a lot of um, schedule making. And I really wanted to make a one on one impact with kids. And that's just not what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um but I had really started to pick up my life. I had started leading these teen pregnancy groups at high schools where I would go speak and bring my, at the time she was maybe four or five year old daughter and her, my daughter and I would do it like a presentation together for pregnant teenage moms. Like you go to school, you can get a degree, you can do whatever you want to do, you know? And I have this yeah. little like four year old, like my mom does it all. <laughs> And we're just like <laughs> pumping these pregnant high school girls up. And, and it was I really great. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's when I kind of got into social media. And I was on Twitter at the time. And I called my daughter Twitterless Tatum. And she was my, like, you can search the hashtag now on any social media. If you search hashtag Twitterless Tatum, it is my daughter. <laughs> um, we, I've documented her entire life through this hashtag. I love it. And so I got a really a, like a nice reputation of being kind of a, the advocacy spirit. And, and I know we want to talk about advocacy more and that's kind yeah. of where um, it was continued to be cultivated. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was just rocking grad school. I mean, I was just a, a, I was in this group, I was doing this and my daughter was a little bit older. And as all moms know, um, the older your kids get, it doesn't quite get easier. You just get better at it. <laughs> yeah just, things shift like you yeah. get better at it and they get harder in different ways yeah learn to manage it better right right mm-hmm. and that's exactly what was happening I was still a single mom um I had started dating my husband but he's like four years younger than me so he's like 18 19 at the time oh well he's not worried about helping me um as a parent <laughs> yeah we, we're not there yet in the yeah. story <laughs> and anyway so I this same Dr. Ruth Boyd, um, I talked to her and I'm like, Dr. Boyd, um, I think I'm going to go get my PhD. And she's like, well, I think I've never met a more deserving candidate. Oh, so what that just you... gave me goosebumps. I know. Dr. I know. Dr. Ruth, Dr. Ruth, you're the bomb. And she's yes. so good that she probably will listen to this because she's still <laughs> a Shelby fan. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Those people that are like, in your corner are just yes. like worth their weight in gold. It really yes, they are. And she's mm-hmm. the vice president of the university that I went to. So she wasn't the vice president then, but she is now. So she's a she's a woman in charge in her own right. Heavy hitter. That's awesome. yes, she is. Wow. She is. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, you know what? What do you need to do? What do you need to do? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know. <laughs> and so we we figure it out. I apply to one school, one school. The University of Oklahoma, which was about an hour away uh, from where I was living. And I knew that I could afford the city and I knew I could afford the move. And honestly, those were the only two factors. And so I hear a lot of times people come to me and they're like, I've got 16 grad schools and I'm going to do this, 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 this. And I just don't know which one to pick. And I'm 
I love to be honest and transparent that that is a privilege that you even have the chance to apply to 16 schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't afford an application fee. Yeah. So I had one application, you know, mm-hmm. that was, that was my only shot. I better put it all on the line. I had a hell of a letter. Like <laughs> you have to write a personal <laughs> statement of why they should let you in. I can, I had a winning letter. Um, <laughs> Your personal statement. I'm sure. Right. <laughs> blew them away. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. And so I, um, I applied and kind of like hail married it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is it. I, I don't exactly know where I'm going. I, I know that I have a lot to give and I know that I want to share and I know there's a special population. Um, autism hadn't come in the picture yet. I didn't even know what a BCBA was at the time. I didn't mm-hmm. know what applied behavior analysis was at the time. Mm-hmm. I just threw that hail Mary and was like, I hope the University of Oklahoma catches it mm-hmm. and they did and so I started my PhD program moved um, my family me and my daughter and at the time my husband was I guess he was just my boyfriend but we were soon to be engaged we all moved to Oklahoma City and when I got there I'm moving and shaking because now I'm feeling myself a little bit you know you get a little <laughs> confidence yeah feeling myself a little bit and my um chair comes to me and she says like Shelby the University of Oklahoma is offering a scholarship for six ABA classes that can lead you to be a board certified behavior analyst and we're going to scholarship them to doc students because we kind of need heavy hitters of the program the -hmm. program was new it was budding there was things going on changes and shifts would you um would you apply for the scholarship and I'm like she does not at the time does not know my background. And I'm thinking I'll do anything for free. Like <laughs> You don't even know, lady, I will do anything you need me to do. So I've got to get this PhD paid for. So I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so I end up signing up for this course sequence sequence. And my first night in ABA one, I was almost in tears when I was talking to my husband. I'm like, this is it. This is what's for me. Mm-hmm. after all of this time and I was such a just not a good teacher and I knew that counseling wasn't right for me and I thought that maybe I wanted to be a professor and one night in ABA one just shifted the whole world for me mm-hmm. because I started understanding human behavior and I started understanding my human behavior and the behavior of those around me and how my parents can be amazing people but when something kind of happened, it shook them, their behavior changed. Yeah. The whole town's behavior changed through a series of events of learned behavior that pregnant girl, high school pregnant girls don't go far. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. things like I started realizing how to be a better parent, how to be a better advocate all through ABA. And it was just like the door opened. And I thought, why doesn't everyone know about this? Mm-hmm. This is a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I start really getting into the books and really studying very hard. And I, I, I was still a teacher at the time, but I, um, I decided to leave teaching uh, to just to pursue my PhD full time and work for the university um, because I got an amazing opportunity to go teach in Italy, which is a whole nother podcast. But <laughs> I got an opportunity to see uh, classrooms 
that do full inclusion is what, what the Italian education system is. And that, that was really mm-hmm. cool. But I was able to see all of these things. And so I ended up taking my six courses, doing my independent field work and becoming a VCBA. And the PhD is still pending. I'm not done yet. <laughs> I'm writing. <laughs> I'm in dissertation phase right now. Okay. And so, um, but once I got started in my BCBA, that's when the autism piece came in, when I started taking those ABA classes. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that it was for me and I had to spread the word and I had to disseminate this really, really, really awesome science that kind of gets a bad rap. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you, I, being in the field, I'm around people who love ABA, but when I go anywhere else or speak to other groups that maybe, uh, maybe not, they don't even know that I'm a BCBA. Maybe they just want to know about autism or they want to know about advocacy or special education. Um, ABA is like the stepchild of the therapeutic world. You know, there, (laughs) there are a lot of people that are just not big fans and I really, really hope to change it because it is an amazing, amazing science that Mm -hmm. changed my perspective on my own life, changed my parenting, changed the way that my husband and I interact in a marriage, you know, and Mm -hmm. then that, that has nothing to do with my actual job where I'm a clinician and I help kids all day. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally hear you. And it's, it's funny because I had those same misconceptions about ABA. Uh, I've talked about it before on the podcast, but like before Logan was diagnosed, that was one of the things that I was, we were kind of like in that waiting period for him to be diagnosed. Cause we had a, a really, a really long wait. I, I knew that they were going to recommend for us to do ABA. Cause I knew that that was kind of like the most commonly recommended therapy for kids in the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I knew that we had to at least try because I knew that if a doctor was telling me you need to do this to help your kid, I wasn't going to be able to say no. So I knew that this was kind of like on the horizon, but the impression that I had of ABA at that point was kind of negative. And it's like, all I'd really heard was that, you know, it turns kids into robots. It's, it's too rigid. It's too rigorous. And it's, it's just like, I was, I was honestly picturing like a drill sergeant coming in. Yeah. (laughs) yelling at my kid and like forcing him to do things. And I was like, this is going to be terrible. And then what ended up happening for us was actually like the complete opposite. And my son immediately was like, so drawn to his BCBA. And like, she was, and she still is our, we've had her for almost two years now. Um, just like a light, just like a truly a, 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 they, ABA has been, a lifesaver for us. It really, I, I can't say enough good things about it, but you know, what's interesting is like, so doing the podcast, most of the people that I, I talk to, whether it be like parents or therapists, I, I feel like we're all kind of like, like-minded and, you know, like we love ABA, but it's interesting because recently I've talked to a few people who, again, I'm hearing a little more of that, that kind of negative about ABA. And like, obviously we're all entitled to our opinion. And I, I personally, like, I like having all different opinions, especially in the podcast. Cause I know that like, just cause I feel this way and a lot of people listening probably agree with me. I'm sure there's people that don't too. So it's like, I like to, to just have everyone's opinion, but whenever I hear somebody speaking, you know, more negatively about AC, BC, I can't even talk now more negatively <laughs> about ABA or just like, you know, kind of like perpetuating that, that sort of like stereotype of, you know, like, oh, they're too rigorous and stuff like that. I think like that all can be true. And I'm not, and I don't think that every, you know, 
every kid is right for ABA. And I don't think that, I think there's so many factors. Like, I think it's like, you have to click with the therapist. I think, absolutely, yeah, just like their, their, their philosophies and, you know, the way that they connect with their, their clients, like there's so many moving parts involved, but I think that when, when you get it right, it's like, so right. I agree. Mm -hmm. And there's even been, so when I first met my first, I was working um, as an RBT. Mm -hmm. and my BCBA, which is another amazing woman that changed my life in other ways, but she was (laughs) our BCBA and I was the RBT and the mother said, okay, so it's basically puppy training. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not. And she was like, well, that's what it looks like. And I'm like, no, it's, is there a little, you know, I'm just like trying, I'm just stumbling (laughs) over words. I'm like, it's not puppy training. It's not puppy training. And, um, then so I really took that to heart I'm like what am I ever going to do if a parent says that it looks like I'm puppy training their kids like, that's, that's just horrible mm-hmm. and then I started researching and I'm like well it is the same science as puppy training kind of I mean I guess it is it's, it's operant conditioning <laughs> which is what you use in zoos dolphin trainers use that's operate they don't do ABA but it's the mm-hmm. same basis of the science but then I started learning I started learning about it and I'm like you know it's not that bad. So I started having conversations with this mom about she had this some Rhodesian Ridgeback African dog, this huge dog oh my that God. was so trained. It was amazing. Like I've never seen a dog trained as well as this dog. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to her about what does she do to train the dog? Well, she used treats. Okay. Mm-hmm. Edibles. Mm-hmm. She used some um, chaining behavior and shaping behavior. Okay. That's what I do too. Mm-hmm. And we started talking and I'm like, I want you to think about the humane treatment of your dog. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to think about what it looks like if we're changing it to, or we're adapting it to your son's behavior. I don't want you to think of it as puppy training because that makes it seem demeaning to the science and to the therapeutic medium that I'm giving you. And but I want you client. to think, yes, and mm-hmm. your son. Right. <laughs> However, what I want you to understand is that reinforcement works right and I want you to understand that I want to reinforce this behavior in you and you want to reinforce a behavior in your child and we had this big beautiful conversation and I'm like but come on you have to stop calling it puppy training (laughs) like we can't can't continue that I don't want another parent to hear us talking about that but Mm -hmm. once it was like explained to her we got into it of okay it looks different because obviously we're humans and your son has these deficits and we need these skills to get where we're going. But let's just think about reinforcement. Let's think about what we're reinforcing and how we can get him to. And she really opened up. And one of my favorite families, and she is a huge advocate for ABA now in several autism mom support groups. But those first couple of meetings, it was really difficult to get through that yeah, there are similarities to dolphin training, puppy training, whatever. It's operant conditioning. However, that's not the entirety of ABA. Let's focus mm-hmm. on reinforcement because it's something that you're grasping and you believe in and that you know that works. And let's go from there. And it was really a beautiful conversation. Mm-hmm. However, I could see that if she would have gotten a different kind of tech or a different kind or a, a RBT or a different kind of BCBA, mm-hmm it might have not been so, you know, it might have not gone so well. Yeah. So finding a therapeutic team that really fits your family's needs and is willing to have those 
sometimes hard conversations, sometimes conversations that take weeks or months, you know, Mm -hmm. to get through those things are really important. And I, and I don't know that parents know that that's something to advocate for your child. Mm -hmm. Um, If you get a, a behavior tech or a therapeutic team member that comes into your house that that you don't like and that you don't think your kid likes. Yeah. I mean, it's the vibe has to be right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't blame that on the science. Right. (laughs) It's not the science's fault. The science is great. Mm -hmm. I can't promise that every tech is great. And I also can't promise that every BCBA is great or every company is great, you know? Right. And that's really unfortunate, but I think getting the message out there to moms who are, and they're like, I don't see what the hype is about. This sucks. <laughs> it, it, it may not be the science that sucks because I'm here to tell you the science is awesome. But there is a component of matching yourself and your therapeutic team and what your child's needs, your personality, your family culture, your values, things like that, that really are really important to the best therapeutic process. Because as you know, ABA is not like um, some speech therapy or OT or PT where you might have two one hour appointments a week. Right. And, and sometimes parents are like, wait, it's not like, no, Mm -hmm. sir, I'll be there 30 hours (laughs) or whatever, you know, 20 hours a week or 15 Mm -hmm. hours a week. It's a lot of time to spend with someone that you don't like. Oh, for sure. That even with everything too, that I was like, I'm like, somebody is going to be in my house that like that. And I, and I, since starting the podcast and talking to other families, I do think that that's like a big hang up is that people don't, you, you don't want like what is, you know, initially a stranger in your house for that much time. But I think the, the thing that you should realize is that these strangers, because they are there so often and they're around your, the most precious things that you have, your children, they, they really end up becoming like family. And if they don't end up becoming like family, it's probably not the right fit. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. I agree. Mm-hmm. And, and I try to tell my text to know if you're not the right one, mm-hmm. you know, too, because you're the professional here. Um, you're entering the house. Know if this family's not right for you. And when I go to meet a, a family, I want to make sure that they know if I'm not the right fit, that is okay. Mm-hmm. I am not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, there are, there are hundreds of BCBAs that may be able to fit you better or fit your needs better, or maybe their expertise is more closely aligned to your child's specific needs, which also happens. You can love their personality um, and they still may not be right for you and your child's needs. Mm-hmm. And so it's really like, you know, picking any other kind of professional that you would need to spend lots of quality time with. Yeah. They have to be right for your family. And, and I think that that's one reason why we in the ABA field have a hard time, you know, um, I don't want to say saving, but like giving our science a good name, giving our therapeutic medium a good name is because there's, you spend a lot of time with these people. If your tech smells like cigarette smoke and you don't like cigarettes. Yeah. I don't want you going to a Facebook group and be like, ABA is the worst. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, I couldn't help that she's a heavy smoker. I didn't know it would have been a problem, you know? Yeah. And those are real things that happen. Parents have wanted to cancel service because the, the, te- the RBT or the text has dog hair on them. 
Well, they're somebody in their family's allergic to dog hair, or maybe they're just really clean and they don't like dog hair. Mm-hmm. And so just getting it out there that that's not the science. That's just your preference in your service provider, just like your dentist, mm-hmm. your pediatrician. You've got to find someone that you like, that you're comfortable with, that can meet your needs. Same thing with ABA providers and maybe even more so because my techs are going to be with you all the time. You know, I was just going to say, yeah, like you see your dentist or your, you know, your pediatrician a couple times a year you're seeing these people you know multiple times a week so it's yeah it really is five days a week for 25 hours yeah totally I mean it's definitely like there there's a like I said there's a lot of moving parts and it's I think it we've been lucky we've had a couple so I you you're saying RBT what does that stand for okay an RBT is a registered behavior technician okay it is a a um certificate under a BCBA mm-hmm. that some insurances require. So it's the same board would give them their certificate. They're credentialed, but they're not. Um, you only have to have like a high school diploma and some training mm-hmm. to get this, but some insurances require them. Other insurances don't. And so that's where you would get like your therapeutic team members, your behavioral technicians, your behavioral therapists. Depending on your location in the country, mm-hmm. you probably call your direct service care provider, something else. We, where I'm at in Texas, we typically call them behavior techs. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like every, every episode I I learn a new acronym. (laughs) There's so many, you'll never know them all. (laughs) No. And I, I'm always like, wait, what? So I, I, I knew that's what you were referring to, but I just wanted to clear that for anyone who was confused. Cause yeah, we call them CTMs care team members. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but, and like, I, like I was saying, we've had a couple of CTMs over, you know, this almost two years that some have, have left just because of like, scheduling issues like when logan started kindergarten and he was full day like you know if they have other clients like that kind of thing um and we've we've only we haven't really had like issues maybe with with like one of them um that was the only time we had like a problem and it wasn't even her like she was a great therapist but it was or she was a great fit i should say for logan um but it was more that she was having like kind of outside issues that that yeah caused her to leave so i think like we were saying it's just it's so important to to have the right fit, to feel comfortable with these people, to see if you see your, you know, your child is like growing and thriving. And I mean, I, I, not that they're going to like a hundred percent of it because I mean, it is work, but I could tell right away with Logan that it was like, he, like his therapist would come over and he would run to them and give them a hug. I knew yeah. that when I saw that, I'm like, okay, things are all right. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so I think that there's, there are, is a lot of people probably that, that have that misconception. And like you said, it's, it's not ABA. That's a problem. I think sometimes it's just like personally. And I think there are some people that even if it is like the most perfect fit, they just don't like having people in their house that much. They, they don't want, you know, and, and that's fine too, that, you know, there's always also usually like a clinic or a center you can take them to, but it's not necessarily that ABA is the problem. It's just, there's, there's so many other factors involved. Yes. Yes. And I do, uh, as a clinician, I do in-home, but there are situations, whether it be a full house, a schedule, parent preference, that sometimes you look at a family and you say, it clinic-based or center-based would be better for your situation. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I see kids and families that I'm like, have you tried home-based? 
I think it would be really great for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of finding your fit, which is another reason why I like to be an advocate is because if you're, you just got the diagnosis and you've never heard of ABA, how in the world are you supposed to know what fit is right? You right. just want to serve. You just want your child to get services. You want them to get the appropriate services. And at the time you're like, I will do anything. What do you want? Like mm-hmm. someone tell me the choice to make because I don't know. And so, you know, it's really important that professional. So I'm speaking to the professionals that are out there listening that we advocate for parents, even when they're not our clients, even when they're not, you know, we always, we all know someone who's dealing with this, their family, friends or cousins or next door neighbor, and you're never going to be their therapist, but you can advocate. Here's information. You can share websites. And I know a lot of companies have resource pages that you can go through to find information so that you don't feel like you're so alone when we're Mm -hmm. giving you all these options. You know, you listen to this one podcast and you're like, I don't know if they're home or (laughs) center or how am I going to know if the tech is right? There's plenty of resources out there. And sometimes you just need someone, you know, to ask someone that you feel safe with Mm -hmm. that knows a little bit about advocacy or knows more about the field that can kind of guide you in the direction. Absolutely. Um, so it's come up a couple of times, but tell me a little bit about the, the work that you've done as an advocate. We were talking about it before we started. And I feel like that was something that I only in the last like couple of years learned that there's, you know, there's people that actually work as advocates and they really help like within the school system or, I mean, any, anywhere you, you need it as a parent. Um, and it really is just like support and someone who like yes. knows the ropes. So tell exactly. me, yeah, how that, how that's worked for you. So I am not a, uh, I would not call myself a professional advocate in the way that typically I'm not being paid for my advocacy services. Mm-hmm. The only time that I am being paid for advocacy for being an advocate would be, I'm actually the hired BCBA. Mm-hmm. And I am also advocating. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have an advocate fee. You wouldn't mm-hmm. hire me off the street to advocate for you. But in the field of advocacy, there are people, professionals that you can hire to come to your children's IEP meetings, to mm-hmm. come to their treatment planning meetings. And exactly like you said, Megan, it's just someone that knows the ropes, that is really comfortable with the language that is being thrown around in the meetings, that knows the special education law. If your child is school aged, mm-hmm. knows the rules and regulations of your state. So each state, you know, depending on if you're doing um, ABA therapy or you're talking special education or you're talking something else, each state has their own sets of laws and mandates that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. And so as an advocate, parents and sisters and whoever is needing help will literally message me through Instagram, typically sometimes through LinkedIn and say, okay, my daughter has just been diagnosed and the school is refusing to accept the diagnosis because their diagnostician said it wasn't autism. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. How can they even do that? What is the, and then I will either counsel them through a consultation phone call or through a couple of messages, email back and forth and just say, okay, here is this website or here is this person contact here, do this. They can do this. They can't do this now go into the world. Um, 
And so my advocacy is just getting the information to the people who are on the front lines and literally they've seen me on Instagram. It's typically how it happens. And they think (laughs) she might know something. She might at least be able to point me in the right. Yeah. Uh huh. And it can go, I can get so involved that I'm like attending an IEP meeting and Mm -hmm. saying, no, no way. You're not doing this. This is, you know, because of these reasons, we're not doing this. Or it can be as off, you know, as hands off as thank you for contacting me. I don't have any knowledge in this area. However, have you looked at X, Y, Z? They may have advocates that are uh, state advocates for you. Yeah. Um, In some areas, people... which we kind of said earlier, but you can hire an advocate. Mm -hmm. They can be a lawyer or in some States, there is a certification that you can get like to be a state advocate. Mm -hmm. Um, And you would actually find someone that is certified in advocacy that would come with you maybe, you know, to doctor's appointments, to treatment planning, anything that you're feeling you really need support. Mm -hmm. They are there and they are a professional advocate. That is what they do. And yep. so I, I want to make clear, I am not one of those advocates. I'm not licensed as an advocate. I don't work as an advocate, but I do like pro bono advocacy, especially <laughs> for families who are like, I just don't know where to go. Yeah. Or, or some of them haven't even heard of advocacy. They didn't even yeah. know it was an option. So they come to me and I can kind of link them up with what goes next. Mm-hmm. Um, you can ask for some, like some churches or community organizations have advocates, advocates that someone's grandmother was a special education teacher for 25 years. And when she retired, now what she does is she goes to IEP meetings and to make sure that the family gets what they ask for. Mm-hmm. And there are real people out there that that is what they do because they have the heart for it. They know the ropes. They really yeah. want to help. And so if you're a person that is really feeling lost in the sea of paperwork that is IEPs, mm-hmm. in the sea of paperwork that is um, getting diagnoses from here to here, proving that you have what you your child has so that you can get some services because in some states, if you don't have a certain diagnostic um, report, you can't even access ABA. Right, exactly. You know, so, and that's that's a whole paper trail that parents get caught up in. And I know that you said personally, it kind of took you a while to get all the paperwork done and the process was long. Yes. It happens all the time. Some of it is we can't help. The insurance is holding us up. But I've met families that they were just kind of shooting in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. They were maybe going to someone who wasn't very knowledgeable or didn't specialize, but it was a family friend referral or, mm-hmm. you know, how that works. Some, because you don't know what direction, you're just kind of up to the mercy of other people's referrals. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to at least help guide people to the next step if I can't personally help you. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that is a really good thing to bring up. Cause I mean, like you said, even if you're, you're not like, I, I think a lot of times it is someone who not necessarily a lawyer, but someone who really has a knowledge of the law. Yes. Um, so even if that's not, you know, your area of expertise, I think someone who is an advocate is like I was saying before, someone who just like knows the lingo because so often there there's so many things within special needs in general that I feel like if you don't know about it, no one's going to tell you about it. And it can be like, really like, you're like, wait, why didn't I know about this? So I, I love the idea of advocates. I think like, even, even if it's not someone you know, who you're paying for someone like you, who just like has the knowledge to share that. 
I think that's so important because again, like we just, as, as special needs parents, like we're looking for any kind of support we can get. And if somebody has the knowledge that we maybe are lacking at the time, I think that that is like such an amazing thing. I have a friend who they just hired an advocate because they're disagreeing with the the school and the district over like the correct placement for her son. And they were just going back and forth. And she was even using her, her BCBA kind of as their advocate, mm-hmm. but kind of like you, like sh- their BCBA could only get them so far. So right. That's when they decided to, to step in and, and hire somebody just to kind of move the process along even further. Um, but I think that that is, it's, it's really important because it's, it's not just, Obviously, if you're if you're having an issue like with the school, which I hear about this all the time, and I I've said that to people before, like, have you thought about hiring an advocate? And they're like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and I never know like where we've been pretty lucky that we haven't had we haven't needed one. I think they're looking back. There's times when we probably could have used one. I I just didn't know about it. So I think that it is one of those things where it's like we just kind of need to tell people like, hey, this is an option. Like if you're if you feel like you're really like drowning and you need that that lifeline like the advocate can be that for you absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely for sure oh my goodness well what a journey yes it, <laughs> it has been and I feel so I'm 29 and You're a I'm, youngster <laughs> I'm a youngster and I feel like it is just getting started you know and mm-hmm. and I'm actually very thankful for the crazy journey because I go into parents house all the time and they'll be like, I'm so sorry I did this, or I'm sorry that my kid, I'm sorry that my house. And I'm like, please, you don't even know where I came. Like, <laughs> there is zero parenting judgment here. Mm-hmm. I always say to myself, I'm just like the least judgmental person. Like you can, it takes a whole lot to rattle me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what I would say too is if it rattles me, guess what? I'm a teacher. Let me show you what you should do instead. That's what I'm here for. Yes. I'm here in your house to help. So if there was something that is really a problem, there's there will be no judgment. There will be teaching. Yeah. And guess what? We will get it figured out. And I yeah. think that that's it's really um a humbling background. And it's also given me perspectives of, I don't know what I'm walking into in every house. Mm -hmm. I don't know the mom's story. I don't know the dad's story or the grandparent, whoever the guardian is story. I don't know the child's story. Mm -hmm. And in behavior, we're looking at observable behavior. What is happening right in front of my eyes? Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be a safety, uh, feel like safety for a lot of parents because it doesn't matter what your story is. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You, you didn't know what to do. Or, you know, I've had parents like, we didn't get her diagnosed till she was 13. We, um, we feel so, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, nope, no, nope, we're not worried. We're going to work on what we have now. The but- behaviors that are, um, that are right in front of me mm-hmm. and the ones that are important to you is what we're going to work on. You know, of course, client history is important, but I'm not worried that you didn't know that she had autism when she was two and that you should have known by three when she would only wear a certain character. Like those things are so irrelevant to me. And I never want parents to feel judged when we come in for an assessment, because I often hear that like it's so nerve wracking to have an in-home assessment because you're just assessing us all. Are you assessing our (laughs) behavior? You know, and it's just I want to keep spreading the word that 
I'm here to help. And so I'm not paying attention to things that don't help me help you. Yeah. It's just, you know, end of the story. I only want information that helps me help you. I only want information that's relevant to the case, to your child, to their benefit, to their progress. You know, Mm -hmm. that's all. I don't care that you didn't vacuum. (laughs) I don't care that. You know, you're wearing the same t-shirt that I saw you in yesterday when I was Oh, that That is okay. There's days where I'm like, I definitely, I'm like, I wore this like an hour yesterday. I can wear it again today. They'll see me in it, but whatever. Yeah. It's, and it's like, that is so irrelevant to my therapy. (laughs) Yeah. You, I, but I think that's where, like I was saying, some people I think do have a hard time because it's like that, like I can let go of that stuff and I can be like, okay, I didn't sweep my floors today whatever I think for some people like it's it is really hard to to kind of let go of all that and I understand that I'm not one of those people so (laughs) I don't have that problem but like I can see where that would be hard yes people um so funny though one of the things that you said back in the beginning when you were working in that special needs class and you know you were this like pregnant teenager and everyone from your parents or the town was judging you but that the the kids in that class that you were teaching had no judgment and I think that that is the most beautiful part of yes of special needs is it's like Logan you know he doesn't care like you said he doesn't care your story he doesn't care where you came from all he cares about is if you're here for him and he he feels that vibe from you like he loves you that's it and I I feel like I've met so many other special needs kids and adults like that where it's just like there's, there's like a genuine, just, just a genuine quality that cannot be matched. And like you said, no judgment, just love. And even if they're, you know, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always, you know, there's, there's difficult parts too, but I, I feel like that's always what I come back to is I'm just like, you know, Logan is the, the most like loving, just sweet child. And I'm, I'm so blessed to have him, but I think that so many, so many other people on the spectrum or just with special needs in general. It's just like, these people are, they're, they're here to to help change the world. Truly. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And it's, it's refreshing as a professional because these, the, you know, these are my people. These are the people that I get to work with every day. And, you know, I, I have friends who maybe work in corporate and they hate the people that they work with and they, (laughs) they, or there's just bad energy or there's Mm -hmm. mean, unkind behavior. And I had a client that literally hit me in the face every day for two weeks straight. I mean, I just couldn't, I just couldn't catch a break Mm -hmm. every day. He hit me and every day at the end of session, he would be like, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I love you too. You're like all in my head. Could you please stop hitting? Like that was the behavior we were working on. Yeah. Anytime you denied access, he smacked you. Yeah. And it was like, there are people that are like, I would not get hit every day. And I'm like, you, you're not understanding that that was his communication to tell me he didn't want me to deny access. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay because I know we, we love each other. We've yeah. got this mutual respect and I'm going to teach him what to do instead of hitting. I can do that. And then, you know, of course he doesn't hit anymore. We're good. We've got it. <laughs> um, but that's just part of like, yeah, well, the misconception I... of it all is he's, 
he's great. I love him. He loves me. And we're not here to judge why he hits. I don't go to the mom and say, like, I'm sure you've been letting him watch, you know, bad video games. Right. Video bad games are what always comes yeah. up. I don't care what, he, you know, we're just focusing on the behavior. We're going to teach these skills. It's obviously something challenging that the mom wishes he didn't do. I'm not going to bother her with my judgment on why he's doing it. It's not important. It's not my job. And it's not what I'm here to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think it, it go the fact that you have that non-judgmental attitude and just that you have the acceptance and understanding to, to deal with those difficult behaviors, I think just furthermore proves that you are in the right field. Yeah. And like you and I were saying beforehand, because I'm, I'm always amazed by people who, you know, they don't have like a child on the spectrum or they don't have a family member. And I just feel like you guys are the people that like, deserve the most credit because if, if I didn't have Logan, I, I don't think that autism would be on my radar. And honestly, like, like I said, the, the people that just kind of come into this and just want to help and want to like be a support and, and guide these families and, and honestly change their lives. I just, I give so much credit, honestly. Well, thank you. It is, it is a really, if, if it is for you, it is amazing. It yeah. is a fun job. It is something that I love to wake up and do. I love to see my clients. I love to help the families. And it it really reaffirms the decision and reinforces my behavior, you know, to go to my next <laughs> client work when we are appreciated. Yeah. And so, you know, when the parents listen and when, when parents are listening, um, I think it's important for them to know that we like to feel appreciated too, because it is, it can be a difficult job. Oh yeah. Um, especially if we're not brought into it through the medium of autism with, you know, I do have some BCBA friends, like maybe their sibling had autism or an uncle or someone that they took care of and they mm -hmm. came through it that way to come through it, um, in a more serendipitous way it really feels nice when you're being welcomed in the, into a community that's not your own. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. And so I really, really love working with the community. And the autism community is something like no else. Yeah. It's really <laughs> amazing. I mean, it is just like, when we kind of talked about this before we got on, it's such a small world. Yeah. It's, it's a tight-knit community. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of mutual respect. And we do disagree on things. And Oh, boy. Yes. You, you know, there's of course. There's a lot course. of opinions. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of opinions. Yeah. There's a lot of different um routes you can take mm -hmm. but the community feels so nice and it's such a joy to be a part of and help and work and and kind of push the knowledge and the boundaries and the education and what we can do with therapy even more and I, every year I see we're getting better like I think ABA is getting better our cl the clinicians are getting better I agree. The, the service is getting better mm -hmm. the, the field is getting better and that's exciting yeah it's very exciting yeah I talk to people who even just like a few years ago, tried ABA and they're like, Oh, it, it didn't work for us because the therapist did A, B and C. And I was like, really? Like our therapist would never do that. You know what I mean? Like there's just yeah. certain things that, and again, that just goes back to it needing to be the right fit. But yeah, I, I think, I think it is just, it really is improving. And I think that the, I hope that, you know, the, the stigma kind of changes because I think that, like I said before, when it's right, it's so right. 
Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you have been amazing. Thank you so much for, for just sharing your story and for opening up and being so honest and, and just for everything that you do. Cause I know that there are some incredibly lucky families out there that get to work with you and I can just feel your passion and I, I, I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you. I'm smiling from ear to ear. Listening to you. So it's been <laughs> such a joy to be on and it's yes. so fun. And I'm, was so excited when you reached out. So I'm glad we got to make it happen. I'm glad too. All right. Well, thank you so much, Shelby. Absolutely. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Shelby. I mean, what a trip, right? <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, I didn't know a lot about her story before we started talking. I just thought she was, you know, this fun BCBA who was very positive. And then to hear kind of the backstory of what has led her to this point in her life and her career, I was just blown away by her. And I, I just, I, I love her positivity and I feel like we all need more of that in our lives. <laughs> so definitely go, go follow Shelby on social media. I will tag her in the post. If you want to connect with me and find out more about the show, I always post every episode on my social media with pictures of the guest and a little backstory. And if you're not following me, you should be. So you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast or on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love to hear from you guys. It really keeps me going. <laughs> um, but it's just been so fun to connect with everybody. And every week I'm hearing from more of you and I just, I love it so much. So drop me a line, say, Hey, reach out, write a review. I'll love you forever. Um, but that is all for now. So until next time, take care.